The Braving Business Podcast is brought to you by, well, me. I'm PJ Benoit and have been in the domestic and international logistics and transportation field for over three decades. Are you looking to ship literally anything, direct-to-consumer or business-to-business, small package, pallet and freight, truckload, international air and ocean, warehousing and distribution, and so much more? Let's connect. Go to shipwithpj.com to learn more. That's shipwithpj.com. And now for the show. Well, hello there. PJ Benoit. How are you, sir? Mr. Tal, how are you? Looking snazzy today, buddy. Snazzy. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you know what? It is Rosh Hashanah, so I'm uh, dressing to impress God. Uh, wow. And Xavier. I, I mean, I, I Xavier is say... here with us, and I want to impress him as well. You less so. But uh, <laughs> God, most importantly. I see where I am in this relationship. That's great. Um, I don't, I don't think my wardrobes fly enough to impress God at all. He'll be like dad bod shirt that tracks. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I don't know. What, what do you usually wear on your high holidays? What, what are the holidays that you actually truly celebrate? Do you celebrate Easter, celebrate Christmas? Um, I love, uh, casual Fridays. That's, that's one that I celebrate. <laughs> I celebrate, um, whenever there's a, uh, a discount at the all you can eat sushi place. I do that. Um, no, of course, Christmas, you know, that's, that's always mm -hmm. a big one. Um, I don't know. I don't, uh, are you one of these guys that wears like really, really ugly Christmas sweaters? I think they're beautiful. I think you do. Yeah. Yeah. I got, my, what I got do you my, think Xavier? Do you, what do you, what do you wear for Christmas? What's the holiday uh, that you like really dress up for? Is there one that you like? I think, that's I, the think holiday? I think Easter is the one that normally dress one. up for. Um, and then, you know, everything else is pretty laid back. So, uh, yeah, Sunday, Sunday best on Easter for sure. Of course. Makes total sense. Well, for me, it's basically there, there, there are three holidays that I actually celebrate. I celebrate Rosh Hashanah. That's the Jewish New Year, Day of Renewal. Um, it's a good happy day. We eat apple and honey and we celebrate each other. And then next week we fast for a day and we pray for God not to strike us. It's basically the day of repentance, uh, Yom Kippur. The only other day I really, really celebrate is the Passover, is the, uh, which is very similar to Easter, I think, or around the same right. time, which is, which right, is yeah. around God uh, leading the Hebrews out of, out of uh, Egypt and into the promised land. And we've probably already lost a few hundred listeners just talking about this. So uh, <laughs> we probably should just dive in, introduce our guest, and, <laughs> and get started. Because this is not a religious lesson. Um, uh, no. I mean, I would have nothing to teach. So Yeah, yeah. Granted, me as well. So our guest today... <laughs> <laughs> Mr. and fantastic Xavier Scruggs, a familiar voice to baseball fans, uh, one of ESPN's top Major League Baseball commentators, and the host of Baseball Tonight. So I'm sure you've seen his shining face out there before. Uh, but there's a lot more to Xavier than just his on-screen persona. He was drafted in the 50th round right out of high school, chose to go to UNLV, uh, and in 2008, he was drafted by the still not so early 19th round or in the 19th round by the major league team of St. Louis, the Cardinals, or as we call them, boo. Um, <laughs> PJ's in Chicago. Yeah, Xavier, I, I so, uh, so this is, this is a little painful uh, for me. Um, yeah, I expect it then. Yeah. Sorry, man. Uh, he persevered and fought his way through the minors. And despite never being considered a you know top prospect, he made it to the majors through true grit and determination. He played both for the aforementioned, aforementioned boo team and the Miami Marlins, uh, before his love of the game took him for a time to career where he hit 
61 home runs over two seasons. That's 60 more than I've ever hit, including uh, my time in T-ball. Um, beyond the field, <laughs> Xavier has passionately invested time coaching and mentoring young athletes, including for a time, Talson Jacob, who I'm sure was a prize prospect at that age. Um, after hanging up his cleats and becoming- He was a, a prize for his mother. How about that? Well, all right. well he's a piece of prize to And to parents. his father. Of course. Of course. Um, after Xavier hung up his cleats, he became- uh, radio and television host and commentator. He also hosted The Bigs, which is a production of Major League Baseball and the first ever podcast sharing deep conversations with baseball's biggest names. On the business front, because, you know, we are a business podcast, Xavier is the founder and CEO of Extraordinary Athletes, whose mission is to help athletes grow their brand, transition smoothly to life after sports, and make genuine connections with brands that align with their values. We're going to hear a lot more about that business and about Xavier's entrepreneurial journey. And given that Tal and I are both big baseball fans, we're also going to make sure we're going to get his thoughts on this upcoming postseason where the Rays somehow are in it, and the Cubs actually are somehow <laughs> Actually, the Rays it. are always in it. The well, Cubs whatever, are the ones that whatever. aren't so usually in it. I, look, I'm excited. Um, I feel like, uh, you know, eating a bunch of Cracker Jack and doing the seventh inning stretch. But, Xavier, we are very thrilled, and it's a privilege to have you on the Braving Business Podcast. Oh, man, I appreciate you guys. I'm, I'm very grateful to have this platform to be able to share some insights on you know my journey uh my career and and all that comes along with it so anytime i get an opportunity to speak about that i'm i'm blessed but uh man i'm, I'm glad i get to be a part of this thank you guys xavier thanks for uh thanks for being here and uh you know i, I knew you when right it's it's one of the one of the pleasures of seeing someone do what you've done which is uh achieve so much um both making it to the major leagues as i knew you when you were playing double a ball yeah, uh, and then the transition to uh, to business and and broadcasting, which has been uh, incredible to watch. Uh, but let's take it back to the beginning. Um, you know, you initially, as as PJ said, you were drafted out of high school in the fiftieth round. Hey, that's still an accomplishment. I played semi pro ball. I wasn't drafted. Um, I, I what went through your mind? I mean, you you did you ever contemplate signing, or was it pretty clear to you at that point? You know, I'm going to go to college and 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 hope to be drafted a later round. Or did you even have any doubts about whether this was even going to happen for you? Yeah, honestly, uh, you know, baseball was something that I was always passionate about, uh, you know, and then going into get, getting an opportunity to get a scholarship um, in my junior year in high school. That was something that was already like, OK, that's the pinnacle, right? Getting a scholarship, being able to have school be be paid for. Um, so like being drafted out of high school was something that I wasn't even really cognizant of. I wasn't even thinking about that. Um, but then knowing that I played well enough for that opportunity, it was kind of like, okay, that was the cherry on top, but it was at the same time, it was still like, I, I was grateful. I had two parents that were very, you know, focused on, okay, there's education that comes along with this and, and that's going to be the priority. Both of my parents, uh, um, graduated from four-year university. Both of them went to Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, which a good baseball school within its own right. But I got the opportunity to kind of see from them and I got to visit their school and kind of realize, okay, education is, is so much more important than, um, than sports itself, just because, you know, sports has a small timeline and, and within you can be in within you being professional. So, that was something I understood early on. So I was grateful to have an opportunity to be drafted, but college to answer your question was like, 
the main priority. And it was something I pretty much knew I was doing out of high school. Wow. Wow. So, and your, so your parents were not the ones like pushing you all the time. You know, we're going to, we're going to hang our hat on Xavier star. He's going to make it to the MLB. We're going to, you know, we're, we're going to celebrate him. I, I I'm saying that cause you know, I live in the burbs in Chicago. You, I coached a lot, um, th- throughout my kids youth. And mm. there's a lot of parents who like take it really seriously. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're like, Hey, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, little little Johnny's really great at soccer, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know if he's going to be playing with Messi at any time. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like you know, it's it's they were grounded. Then it sounded like you know they they were they were there like with um, really uh, realistic heads on their shoulders about what what your future meant for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was I was lucky enough and blessed enough to understand that I had people in my corner um, that had gone an athletic route. I had a relationship with Tony Gwynn, had relationships with David Justice. So, So, so people even in the San Diego area in which I grew up that I could lean upon professionally on on a baseball sense, but also I had people in, in my corner that understood how important it was for the education side of things. So being able to have conversations about both allowed me to understand how much important it was to, to have a foundation of education first and foremost. So it, that's something that, you know, a, a lot of people don't have. And I was fortunate to have people all around me that were able to give me insights about kind of the future of what my career path looked like for baseball. And then also education wise as well. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, so the, um, yeah, obviously you've shown a lot of resilience, right? Through your through your going through this process of of being drafted and then and then achieving your dreams with yeah, a, a team out of St. Louis, right? And um, you know, and then Miami Marlins and and everything. How does do you think that resilience translates into the world of broadcasting, where it helps you succeed in that world? And I'm going to point out um, hashtag asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, no, I, no, I think that, and you guys know this better than I do. It's the, the fact that whatever profession that you're in, you can't expect everything to turn your way within the the snap of your fingers. Right. And I think that that's something that I learned through baseball is, um, as you mentioned off the top, I was never a top prospect. I was never somebody that was expected to make the major leagues and be an impactful player. As soon as I got there, that was not my route. My route was, okay, let's grind this thing out every single day and hope that I get the opportunity. I was in the, in the minor leagues for seven years before I got to the big league level. So there was many days where I was like, man, is this even worth it? Um, I see guys that, you know, have already been released and, you know, maybe guys that I played with for three years that are on to doing things outside of playing baseball and and making money and, and having a life for themselves, having a family. So I question, you know, if it was the right path for a long period of time. But at the same time, I knew, you know, how sweet it would be after putting in that time and effort to get myself an opportunity to play at the big league level. And, and, and I understood that, I was seeing myself get better and better and better every day. So I, I wanted to give myself an opportunity to say, you know what? I, I think that I belong there. And ultimately when you chase a dream and, and I, first of all, I was fortunate enough to chase a dream because let, let's remember how many people look at what they might want to do as a dream. And then, okay, let me go put in the the time to do that. Not a lot of people don't, don't even get to do that. So do, doing that, recognizing I was capable of getting there, 
then transferred into a different profession in broadcasting to where I almost had to start all over, right? And say, I don't want to be a normal broadcaster in which all of our professions, we don't want to be just seem to to be that normal person taking the day by day steps. No, I want to be something special. I want to be extraordinary. Um, so I got to go out of my way to do some different things. So baseball taught me how to do that. And it's taught me so many areas in life to, to continue to push even when I don't necessarily feel motivated or feel like um, I'm on the right track all the time. That's amazing. And, and you know, ba- baseball, and and I played it not nearly the levels you did, but baseball is the most humbling of sports. I mean, uh, you know, right. I think that take the fact that you are considered remarkable if you are able to get on base, you know, 35% of the time or 37% of the time, if you get a base hit, you know, three out of 10 at bats where you uh, actually have an official at bat, you're considered, uh, you're an all-star, right? And, uh, right. And, and so the game humbles you. My question to you is, I mean, at, while you were at the minors and you still hadn't made the major leagues, um, you know, you weren't, uh, you weren't coming out of high school. And so you were a little bit older um, than, than some of the kids maybe that were playing with you or around you. How did you handle setbacks? Um, you know, and, and, and what, what do you think are some lessons about being able to put setbacks in perspective uh, when you have a bigger goal in mind, in your case, making the major leagues, how do you put those setbacks in perspective? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, I'm a strong person of faith, and I realize that that's something that I have to lean on, and and I'm not going to be able to control everything. So I understand that there's a higher power that's that's pushing me in levels in, in which I may not even be expected upon to succeed in myself. Uh, but I know that with somebody that I can look up to somebody that I can be able to, to have the support from that's, that's important for me. So that was something that I always leaned on. And the same thing goes with the support system. I have family and friends in which when I had those rough days, man, Oh, for four, four strikeouts where I just want to bang that, the the hat, the bang, my, my bat on my helmet and just, you know, throw everything and just be so upset with myself and asking myself, I'm why am I not better than this? Why am I not in a different position? I could, easily call my dad. I could call my mom. I could call a friend who has seen me, you know, go through the ups and downs um, and kind of be able to get my head on straight. Right. Don't forget who you are. Like, these are the things that you've done in the past to get yourself to this point. Um, So I'm grateful that I had a good support system. But at the same time, I think kind of taking a step back and appreciating the game was something that really changed my whole perspective. I remember a day when I was in double A, um, you know, not long after, you know, working with your son in the off season and, and, and trying to perfect those little things that we, we do as hitters. Um, I, I'm sitting on the bus in double a after a game and I'm over four and, and the team had won. We had won the game. We had blown out the other team, but I'm, I'm going through a stretch where I believe I'm like, Oh, for 15 with 11 strikeouts. I'm sitting on the bus. We're headed back to Springfield, Missouri, um, the dog days of summer, just in, in August, it's dead hot Missouri. And I remember going back and I'm sitting on the bus and I'm like on the verge of tears. Like I'm never going to make it to the big leagues. Like, why am I still doing this? It's, it's, you know, it's one of those tough stretches and I'm looking around and I take a second. Everybody's like joking around on the bus, having a good time. Uh, guys are playing video games. Guys are playing cards. Um, and then I, I almost had to be reminded of myself, like, th- these are the best years of my life. Like, what am I so upset about? I'm sitting around here with 24 other dudes and I get to play a sport for a living. 
And it was almost like I had to really take a moment to realize and appreciate that all everything that I had done, it didn't necessarily matter if I made it to the big leagues or it didn't matter if I was perfect every day or went five for five. No, it was like, appreciate the moment that you're in. You get to be with these guys that you're going to have relationships with the rest of your life. And, you know, if you don't make it to the big leagues, are you going to be upset at yourself for years upon years? No, you you can't afford that. Like, enjoy what you have right now. So I think it took a moment for me to understand that. And to answer your question, that was something that helped push me day by day. It was almost like I stopped looking at it as a week by week thing or a month by month thing or a season by season. No, I, I started to appreciate every day just being with the guys and getting a chance to get better. If I fail, I fail. But at that point, that was when I was like, okay, this is when I can just have fun and be myself. That's that's very cool. Beautiful. That's very cool. And you know what? I mean, I, I, I have to say that one of the most interesting things that I've uh, been experiencing of late over the last, uh, last few months of my life, maybe if I'm really being uh, generous to myself a couple of years, is the ability to stop and appreciate the moment you're in. Uh, and gratitude, um, it's we often hear you should be grateful for what you have. And it's not just the big things, honestly, being grateful for the little things uh, right. that, that you wake up in the morning when other people didn't, uh, that the sun is shining, that uh, that you're healthy, that you're able to walk, you're able to see if you're fortunate enough to be able to do those things, um, that you're able to listen to music, um, hug someone you love. Yeah. Being present in the moment um, is, is, is a gift that we each have access to. And yet many of us choose to keep our eyes focused on the horizon, the far mm -hmm. horizon right. at the expense of appreciating the moments we're in. And it sounds like, you know, you at some point, maybe, you know, that moment you were sitting on the bus, you realized, sure, I could be thinking about what I'm not or where, or where I'm not or where I may not get, or I could just focus on where I actually am and appreciate mm -hmm. that for what it is. Yeah. And I, I think the, the, the important, first of all, that was a beautiful Xavier. Like just, I don't know why, but I got all like, you know, chicken skin and everything it was it was really it was really kind of cool um but tal you're you're exactly correct it's 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 being present but also i think it has to be coupled with gratitude right like mm. you have to appreciate where you are but also be grateful there's there's you know not everything is is wonderful but you gotta you gotta grab those little nuggets of goodness and, yeah. and hold on to those and appreciate those in, in those times hundred percent. And that's something I had to learn, you know, and I think ever since that moment, at least in my professional baseball career, I was able to grasp the idea of being grateful for every position that I was in. Right. Even if I had gotten sent back down to AAA, OK, there's a reason here. Let me figure out what that reason is and take it day by day. Right. And and I continually remind myself everything happens for a reason. Sometimes we may not understand, but at the same time, if we can find some sense of what you guys both mentioned, gratitude in the moment, then that's going to help us, you know, have a positive mindset. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Tal, earlier when you were talking and you were talking about um, never getting on base, I thought you were describing my high school dating career. Um, so... <laughs> So Xavier, you played you played in Korea, which I think actually uh, must have been a really growing experience, right? You're you're plucked from our somewhat insular culture, and you're sent out to to Korea. Tell us about like what that experience was. Did that shape your shape your perspective on on yourself on the game? Um, 
did you assimilate? Like, you know, were, were you kept in an ivory castle while you're out there or, or were you like part of the culture? Like, what was that like? Yeah, this could be a whole podcast series <laughs> uh, talking about, you know, playing baseball in Korea. But I, I think a couple of things that really stuck out to me was the fact that it was it was a leap of faith. Right. It was this idea of uh, first getting past my own ego in which hey, I'm a major league player. I've, I've made it to the big leagues. I've played for two different major league teams. I should be in the big leagues. I shouldn't have to go to Korea and, and go try to make a name for myself and try to come back to the States. Um, so getting past that ego part, but then, you know, th there was a different dynamic. It was a family dynamic at that point because I had just gotten married in the, in the, uh, in the fall of 2016 and was going to Korea in the spring of 17. Um, so it was kind of like, hey, wife by the way you we have this opportunity in korea if you want to join so convincing my wife that this was the right step for our relationship and our future um so that was another aspect of it but once i got over there you know baseball was baseball but it was you know being acclimated to a, a different lifestyle and i think being open that was the first goal it was it was hey we're not going to succeed on or off the field if we try to bring our ways and our U.S. culture to Korea and try to make people do the things that we're used to doing. That wasn't going to be the case. And I had spoke to a lot of people who had gone to Korea and gone to different countries to play, and they mentioned the same thing. Like, you can't expect everything to be a certain way. So I think that was one of our mindsets going over there. And that allowed us to have a lot of success. It was like my wife was made me comfortable because she started diving in with some of the Korean wives and girlfriends and becoming friends with them and not even speaking the same language, but being able to have those same relationships that I was having playing baseball with those guys. So that was one of the biggest things is, OK, if we're going in, we're going all in like we're going to be Korean, basically. So that helped. And then in, in 2018, we had our firstborn son in Korea. He was born in Korea. So that was something that helped us really kind of mold into the culture and, and try to do things the way that they do things. And that was an experience within itself and wow. something that we're so blessed to have. Um, but it was, it was one of the biggest parts of my career is going to a different country and being able to play. And I think one of the most beneficial things was I didn't have to worry about going down to AAA, going back up to the big leagues, trying to prove myself. No, at this point, I was on the NC Dinos, and I was a, I was playing on the same roster every single day and fighting for a championship. So that allowed me to kind of take some pressure off of myself and just go out there and play. We had an amazing time doing that and then experiencing the, the, the country within itself. Um, that's something that I'll never forget. Wow. Awesome. It's uh it it's it's I, I remember you know the time that you were there, we stayed in contact and uh and I and I was following you there. My son and I were both following you there. My son would sometimes wake up early, early, early in the morning to watch you play. Um <laughs> and uh yeah, and, and and it was incredible to see the success you had there. And it's interesting to hear you talk about uh the variable of if you're in a situation and you're in a place, make the most of it, right? Make right. the most of it, own it own it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, many of us have found ourselves in moments in our lives or situations where for whatever the reason, we're not where maybe we want it to be, or we're not, uh, in necessarily experiencing, uh, what we imagine we might be experiencing, uh, being able to appreciate where you are for what it is, not for what it's not, 
I think right. is a, is a, is a, is an amazing skill to have. And it sounds like you and your wife uh, had that in spades, which probably helped you make the most out of that experience. L- let's talk about young athletes. I mean, one of the things that, uh, you know, that I admire about you uh, is that you, you, you didn't just, you know, my son had had multiple batting coaches. Um, my son was, uh, was actually quite a good baseball player and uh, unfortunately didn't get big. Um, but you were more patient, more engaged, and to the point that I know you still stay in touch with my son now, which is amazing to me. Um, what is it about, you know, what is it about connection to people? Because I see that, I think, as one of your strengths. What is it about connecting to people that you think has been a part of your success and your magic? Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost, I appreciate the, the words. Um, and it was easy with Jacob, right? Like somebody that has a personality um, that gravitates towards people themselves. And, and I know he gets it from you, but I, I think for me, it was the idea of, you know, being able to give something, you know, I think so, so often, and I, maybe this is something that I got from my parents, but I think so often we're always trying to figure out like in a fast paced world, what can we get and what can we get right away? And, and I think that I've learned even through the process of, of coaching, um, you know, even just playing itself, doing foundational stuff, camps, whatever it may be, is like when I give the information that I have, when I give like the the routines that I have, or whatever it may be, the processes, processes, I I think that that's when I really get the most, and that's when I feel like the 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 best about myself, and I feel like I've actually fulfilled a purpose, and that's something that you know, unfortunately, not a lot of people understand. It's like, because we're so focused on what we can get from every opportunity, what we can get from every situation. I think that kind of learning early on that when my information that I've received is not just for myself and it's for everybody else that I can be able to help along the way, That that's when I feel like I've kind of been the best version of myself. So, you know, being able to connect with people and being able to do a podcast, I'm sure that you guys feel the same way. It's like a lot of times, like when we're doing a podcast or, or we're doing something to teach somebody, we get the most out of it when we're actually having those conversations and we actually learn something that we might not have thought of. So like working with your son, for instance, when I'm working on hitting and I was in the middle of my career like the little details that I'm thinking about while working with Jacob to stay inside the baseball weight. Wait a minute. I forgot that that's the feeling that I need to have while I'm playing. So I think you get so much out of it and you feel like you learning more about yourself when you're able to dive in with somebody else and kind of have that type of relationship of, of a giving first rather than trying to receive. Awesome. Everything you say is awesome. So I'm just going to, Keep saying awesome. Um, <laughs> so we're going to have to make shirts that say awesome, PJ, because yeah. you, you tend to say awesome a lot. Now, we have awesome guests. We've had amazing guests we who say a lot of amazing yeah. things. I do say awesome. A and lot. I think you need to wear a shirt that says awesome. <laughs> hey, get me one of those shirts, too, though. <laughs> hey, don't, don't, don't challenge us, Xavier. We'll do it. Um, so with... I think this parlays perfectly or segues perfectly into what you're doing now with your business with extraordinary athletes. So the premise of that is connecting athletes with brands where they truly resonate their values. So um, talk about that. How, how hard is that to find what an authentic match would be? Right. And, and what, uh, what role do you think uh, now that you're seeing this, you know, kind of from a, from an elevated position, what role does perseverance play in all this? 
Oh man. Uh, perseverance is everything. First and foremost, I think like we expect, you know, something to go our way once we put the work in. And sometimes it takes a lot longer than we expect. And I think that, you know, all good things take time. And I think that's, you know, when we think about perseverance, when we think about business, when we think about starting a business, um, we think about rebranding, which is kind of something I'm in the middle of too, is just like, you know, it's going to take time. And for me, I want athletes to understand that, first of all, whatever sport you're playing, it it has a small window, right? And and for you to kind of have the influence from that sport and take it outside of your game, that's going to be kind of the the premise of your platform and the premise of your foundation and being able to use your voice and being able to partner with brands and being able to use social media, because all those things are what I did to transition outside of playing baseball and being able to get into broadcasting, getting into media, um, being able to, you know, get start foundations or help charities, whatever it may be. Those are all the things that I kind of understood while I was playing to be able to help propel me and and use it as a platform towards something else. So that's what I want to help athletes to understand and even help agencies. I've helped agencies understand how to help their players as a whole and what they can do via social media and what they can do via partnering with brands um, and how they can use that influence, you know, to, to further themselves past wherever they are playing baseball or whatever sport it may be. Because, you know, if, if we're honest with ourselves, like, Athletes have a different influence today, and sometimes it could be seen as a negative thing, and sometimes it could be seen as a positive thing, but how can I help that athlete understand how to use it in a positive manner to where it benefits them and all the people around them? And that's something I've even done for the St. Louis Cardinals. I've had a position of diversity and inclusion for them in which basically I was trying to help athletes just understand their platform you know, and understand how to succeed and how to use their voice in everything that they do. Um, and that's something I'm extremely passionate about. That's something I, I want to continue to find ways to to grow it and to continue to find ways to help athletes and, and former athletes use that platform that they have. It's so smart and awesome and smart. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk about, let's talk about former athletes. Cause I know one of the objectives of extraordinary athletes is to uh, take athletes uh, at a moment in time. That's probably extremely vulnerable. The moment in time where you're transitioning out of, an active playing career into into let's call it civilian life. Yeah, um, we had uh, General Leslie Smith, the uh, 66th Inspector General of the United States Army, that we just interviewed last week, and he took the uniform off after 30 some odd years and and entered the business world and the nonprofit world. Uh, and I asked him the same question that I'm going to ask you, which I think would apply to many people in the audience. People in this day and age have career transition as as a regular part of their lives. What are you know a couple of really really important principles that you think someone should be uh, factoring in when they are going through a substantial life transition, substantial career transition? Yeah, um, I think one of the things that has kind of g- given me success, but also I've seen it help for other people as well. And and I can't remember even where I got this. I, I want to say I was watching a YouTube, but one of the things is it's kind of simplistic. Like I, I made a circle, and I'll tell athletes to do the same: make a circle. The things that you love to do, things that you're passionate about, things that, you know, um, kind of warm your heart. So whether that be, you know, public speaking, whether that be writing, whether that be reading, um, you know, whether that be social media, uh, journaling, a- anything of that nature. Right. The things that you love making a circle there and then making a circle also that integrates with the other circle 
And, and and in that circle is what do people tell you that you're great at? What do people love that you do? What whether that be um you're motivational, right? Or you have great discipline. Um, you know, you 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 write great, whatever it may be, and, and kind of intertwine those circles. And what's in the middle of those circles is something that you can be passionate about and the people tell you you're good at. That's something you should be attacking. Um, and I think that that's something that helped me to something that helped others have success and kind of realize, wait a minute. I didn't realize that I can maybe look towards a, another profession in this area that I'm passionate about and people think I'm good at. I didn't know somebody thought I was good at this. So I think kind of when we can open our eyes into something new and and, and you guys know as athletes and as you know in business, a lot of times we can be so tunnel vision to where we don't even see the things that we like or we see the things that we're good at. And sometimes we just have to be opened to the, to those experiences and open to those opportunities. And I think once we see that, then we can kind of look at narrow down some of the things that we could see ourselves doing outside of, of playing or outside of our original profession. Wow. Like a Venn diagram of self. Absolutely. And that, that's what I did for myself is, okay, I like, I like media. Uh, so I, I wrote down media and, and somebody told me that I was good at public speaking. And I didn't realize, okay, because uh, most people are like, you know, I don't, I don't want to public speak. I don't like getting in front of people. I get nervous. Sure. But if somebody tells you that you're good at that and somebody tells, and, and I like media, wait, is there something where I can do media to where I'm speaking every day and talking about sports? And, and that's where I came to broadcasting. And then I said, okay, let me figure out how I can attack this every day. Let me go to Sirius XM. Let me see if I get an opportunity with ESPN. Let me see if I could talk to MLB Network. Um, let me see if I could do a podcast with MLB and just see where it goes. Sure. And I think that's kind of helped me understand, you know, that the journey is not always one way, right? It could go this way, left, right, wherever. But as long as you're moving forward, I think that's something that you ultimately find success from. And you know what? You you don't always know whether you're moving forward. Sometimes you're not yeah, sure. You might be moving back. Nimble, well, you're right. But being nimble and being resilient, really what it boils down to is resilience. I mean, if you have a passion, you identify the path you want to pursue, um, pursue it and and be resilient. And uh, and I think, you know, your 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 career and your life is a testimonial to, hey, if if you're passionate, you're resilient, you're clear eyed and uh, and you have the right values. You can accomplish anything, um, but it does help to know where you're going. You know, I, it's amazing to me. I, I, this is a question I ask people that I mentor. Where do you want to be in five years? And and people might be able to answer that question at a very, very high level, but that's not what I mean. I mean, where right. do you want to live? What do you want to do? Mm. What do you want to feel like? Who do you want? Who do you want to be with? Um, what experiences do you want to have? What impact do you want to have? You yeah. need to think these things through. Uh, and the more specific and 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 uh, clear you are about the impact you want to have and or the things you want to accomplish, the likelier those things are to happen, uh, whether it's because that's how the world manifests or whether it's because subconsciously or consciously, you're going to pursue those things with a little bit more clarity, uh, which is likely to lead you to actually accomplishing those things. Absolutely. Yeah. Somebody told me, Tal, that, you know, if you could see those or feel those emotions or, and think about where you want to be down the line. And not everybody can do that. Right. But if you're able to think about that and put yourself in that situation, then you can work backwards from there. And I was like, wait a minute, work backwards for that. He's like, yeah, then you can put the steps together to find out how you can get to that down the line, five years, 10 years down the line. And then that, that made a lot of sense to me because like, it, it's hard for us sometimes to just put the steps 
in place. Like if we don't know where we want to be, we can't put the steps there. So it's it's kind of like working backwards in a sense. And I like that that you brought that up. So good. So good. So throughout your illustrious career, you have worn many different uniforms, many different hats, uh, so to speak, played many different roles, right? You know, player, broadcaster, uh, now entrepreneur. So of these, of these roles, which one do you think has tested you the most? Oh man, that's, <laughs> that's a good question. I don't think I've gotten that. Um, I would have to say the entrepreneurial role, right? Like trying to start something that you may be un, uh, unfamiliar with, right? And and sometimes we look at in today's world and I think we see so many people, whether it be social media, like showing the successes of their business or showing the highlights of their business. And sometimes I think we think it can be easy, uh, but it's not easy. Like it's it's something to where it just takes a lot of time and effort and maybe more effort and time than you originally thought. Um, and a lot of sacrifice. I think that's something that nobody wants to to necessarily be always giving is, is, is sacrificing things, right? Um, so I think that's something that I had a, a, a tough time really understanding because I thought I, I had sacrificed everything playing baseball, right? And And even though I knew it was for a small window of time, you don't realize what that transition always looks like. And and you guys mentioned words of resiliency and, and perseverance. And, and, you know, sometimes we talk about those things as, as athletes and we write it down, how important those things are. And those are what our coaches tell us. Like when we're nine, 10 years old, you be a leader, you got to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to endure, but you don't really understand what those things mean until it's you out there on in the real world on your own making those sacrifices and enduring uh, those ups and downs. So I think that to answer your question, that to me has been the hardest part is like, I, I know what it takes to to have success playing baseball, but this real world thing is different, right? Because there's so many different uh, factors and variables other than a baseball and a bat. Yeah, no, so, so good. So good. I do have one real quick question. Um, you've probably swung the bat, I don't know couple hundred thousand times at least in your life do you have do you have a play or a hit that is the most special to you yeah i think the most special one to me is i i hit a my first home run and my only home run in the at the major league level um and i think hitting the home run kind of gave me this feeling of okay like all, all the time and effort and sacrifice, all the blood, sweat and tears, all the people that have helped me. I, I think it was it was one of those most gratifying moments. And it was kind of like the weight off of my shoulders. And because you're always trying to prove yourself. Right. And I think once you hit that first home run, you feel like, OK, I, I've made it, um, you know, and I can kind of breathe now. And then the moment itself was special because had a Hall of Famer and Ichiro Suzuki standing on second base when I hit the ball. The ball wow. jumped off the bat as hard as I've ever hit a ball, but it was one of those ones that you didn't even feel it because it hit the the barrel of the bat so perfectly, almost like swinging through a cloud. And then speaking of clouds, I'm running on cloud nine. Just I don't even feel it, it's an out-of-body experience. Like You don't feel yourself actually cleats hitting the ground. You feel like you're floating through the air all the way around till you get home. Um, dap up Ichiro. And then I remember coming in the dugout, Barry Bonds was my hitting coach at the time. I repeat, Barry Bonds was my <laughs> hitting coach at the time. And he gave me a hug. Like, 
I hit my first home run and Barry Bonds gave me a hug. So like, <laughs> the out-of-body experience is something that I'll just never be able to forget. And it, can, it nothing can top that at this point. That's amazing. Who Who is it against? Who, who did you hit off of? It was against Chad Cool. Uh, he was pitching for the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates at the time. Little 93-mile-an-hour sinker on the outer half of the plate. And I blasted that thing at PNC Park. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, you know, I actually, rem- I remember watching my son and I were watching uh, when Xavier was, was playing for St. Louis and, and he hit a double. I remember that it was, it was in St. Louis and you would have thought, I mean, that we just won the world series or something. We <laughs> hugged, we, we high fived the, the joy of seeing him hit that double off the wall, by the way, that almost was a home run too. <laughs> um, all right, let's switch gears. We only have a couple more minutes of your time. Uh, the postseason is about to start. The Rays uh, started the season on fire, winning their first 13. Um, they're still, at this point, certain to be in, in the playoffs. They're fighting for uh, first. They're a game back behind the Orioles. Yeah. Uh, the Cubs look like they're making the playoffs as well. They're they're up in the wild card standing. What's your thoughts on the postseason this year? Uh, man, it, I think every day I keep looking at... First of all, I'm happy where the the the, uh, the, the Tampa Bay Rays are. And I'm happy where the Cubs are because kind of nobody saw the Cubs doing this this year. Um, I remember going to the London series and watching the Cardinals play the Cubs. And I'm like, the Cubs, like, this is not this is not good. And same thing with the Cardinals. But then you see this Cubs, the second half of the season just took off. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited for both those teams. I just it, it's really hard for me to see some teams beating the Braves and and the Braves are so much better than every other team right now. I look at them. I look at Houston who won it last year. It's going to be tough for American league teams to get past them. Um, Houston's getting healthy right now too. Yeah, the absolute best time. That's, that's the thing is like you, you, you guys know it's all about taking your stride at the best time. Now the Rays, the one thing for them is they've had so many injuries they, they're not at full health, but they're still playing some good baseball. So we can't discount what they've been able to do. I want to see the Cubs. You know, Justin Steele is, has been amazing. He's going to be in that Cy Young conversation. If they can get a, a Strowman back, if they can have a one-two punch going into the postseason, then you you find yourself with a better opportunity. But I think it's going to be fun this this October. I'm, I'm excited to see kind of where these teams go and, and who gets knocked off. Uh, I, I like it. I like it. You're getting me all revved up. <laughs> Friends, our guest today was uh, Xavier Scruggs. He is a, uh, a phenomenal uh, announcer and uh, uh, commentator and also a great guy. And it's been a privilege having you with us today. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. Um, and you know what? Let's, we'll see. At this point, um, I, at the beginning of the season, I, I thought the Rays simply couldn't be denied at this point with all the injuries they've had, particularly the starting pitching and also the loss of Wander Franco for, uh, for, for other reasons. Uh, I don't think it's going to be our season. I, my bets also on the Braves. I think they're unstoppable. Uh, I see a Braves Houston series. Sorry, PJ. I don't think the Cubs are going to make it, Whatever. uh, but you know what? Um, there's always next year, right? Very true. Yeah. Well, you know what Cub stands for. It's normally it's completely useless by September. So just the fact that we're talking about October is awesome. Um, I absolutely have loved this episode. Uh, Xavier, please come back at some point. Like any, anytime you want, you want to talk baseball, you want to talk, absolutely. you want to talk bulgogi, let's do it. Like, let's, let's talk <laughs> anything you want. But uh, it's been I amazing. Talk Korean and, food all day. I know, well, I, I can eat it all day. Um, but <laughs> really appreciate it. It's, it's been, it's been an honor and uh, it's been awesome, as I like to say. 
Uh, PJ Tall, man, I appreciate you guys. Uh, thank you for giving me the platform to even speak on some of these things. What you guys are doing is obviously something that we need more of in the world and, and just being able to put out those insights. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful. I'm blessed. And um, keep up the good work, fellas. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you for being a part of the Braving Business Podcast listening audience. Be on the lookout for our weekly interviews with fascinating leaders in business and gain insight into their mindset of how they took to braving business in their own lives and careers. Check us out on YouTube, LinkedIn, and all of your favorite streaming services. Thank you again, and we'll see you next time on the Braving Business Podcast.